Welcome to the We Serve podcast of government policy, real estate, and you. I'm Liz Recchia, Government Affairs Director for the We Serve Association of Realtors, and this is your quick update for today. I was able to attend and invited to present at the We Serve Santa Cruz Chapter member meeting on February 17th. In addition to my remarks, their guest presenter was Pat Reisner, president of the Hermosa Project Mine for South 32. Pat described the environmental remediation of past mining, some of which goes back to the late 1800s. He also provided slides and a description of the future. Listen as Pat describes the future of mining. The Hermosa Project will entail some truly first-time-in-history forward-thinking mining practices. Thank you for the time today. I'm going to try to get through this in about 15 minutes um, and leave a little bit of time for questions you might have. We, we are out um, talking to different organizations across Santa Cruz County about the results of some work we've been doing for about two or two and a half years now that just concluded in, uh, at the end of December that we announced publicly in late January that pertains to, uh, I guess, the future of where we're going on the Hermosa project. I do think it, it is a very important topic, obviously, for, for many reasons. For this group, I think there's portions of what you'll hear today that are very relevant for what you do each day, um, and it's something that is very, a very important aspect of this because what, what you're going to see is it is, a, it is a very significant opportunity that's probably going to, to, to generate a lot, um, a lot of jobs, a lot of revenue. We'll have some time, but there's certainly a lot that needs to be done to prepare for what's to come. But it is, it is very exciting, and, um, and we can talk in a lot more detail now than we could even a few months ago about timing, about what actually will happen and what it might mean. So that's what I wanted to just run through with you. So to give you a... Uh, a sense of, of what we're talking about. Um, so the, the map you see is, uh, the locate is, is our property, which is in the Patagonia Mountains, about seven miles straight south of Patagonia. So to the, obviously to the northeast of here, but, but as the crow flies, it's, uh, it's in the forest about, about seven miles south. There's, there's three elements to the Hermosa project that we have recently completed work on that we've released to the public. The first, which is the priority of our efforts and what we're mostly focused on is what we call the development of the Taylor resource, which is a, a high-grade uh, zinc lead silver deposit, um, which you can kind of see the red star in the middle of the screen there. Um, the second, uh, and that's what I'll primarily talk about today because the bulk of the work the last two and a half years has been what would this look like um, and what our plans might be for how we develop that. The second. Is, uh, is Clark, what we call Clark, which is a manganese zinc silver deposit. It's one that we actually hadn't considered developing in the near term. We thought it was quite a bit out into the future, uh, but we have done some recent work uh, on that, that that confirms a couple of things that now have us thinking about it differently, which has the potential to make this all quite a bit bigger and to bring Clark forward in terms of developing it into an operation as well. The primary uh, outcomes there are uh, Clark is predominantly a manganese mineralization. Uh, manganese is used in every lithium-ion battery in the world, whether it's your kid's remote-controlled car or in your phones or uh, increasingly in electric vehicles. So if you watched the, the Super Bowl and counted how many electric vehicle ads that popped up and you're starting to see them on the road more, we're seeing 
increase, significant increase in demand for these big batteries for electric vehicles, the cathodes all have manganese in them. So Clark is now something we're looking at as probably something that's needed more in the near term in the U.S. And so we're going to accelerate our work and start to look at these two together rather than two separate developments. The last thing uh, that we talked about is our, our exploration around the area. So the red squares are the private lands where we're operating now, which is where Taylor and Clark are. But the blue lines you see there are the mining claims we hold across the National Forest. That's where we have title or ownership of the subsurface minerals, but the surface is Coronado National Forest, so it's federal lands. We've been conducting exploration and we have a couple of prospects there um, that look like they could potentially either be another Taylor or in one case we've actually discovered copper. So those are much longer dated things that will be further out in time, but again, very exciting. Um, just to kind of give you one last piece of context, Taylor is the largest undeveloped deposit of zinc and lead in the world. Um, there's only one other really close to it and it's in very remote Iran, so probably would never be developed. So that makes this obviously very strategic for our country as well. Um, just to give you an idea, a lot of people want to know, sorry about that, jump the gun. A lot of people want to know what this looks like underground, so this is kind of a cutaway cross-section of what it looks like beneath the surface looking to the south-southeast, so looking away from Patagonia back towards the San Rafael Valley. Uh, this is what it looks like, so Clark is the gray area that sits on top of Taylor, which is the red and, and yellow deposit, so this is what the actual mineral resource looks like underground. The uh, gray streaks you see there are all the drill holes we've drilled over the last probably six or seven years to intersect the ore body to, to, to define it to allow us to do the work that I'm going to present to you today. So the top of Taylor, the red and orange area is about 1,300 feet deep. The bottom is about 4,200 feet deep. So it will be a very deep underground mining operation. And you can see the way they come together, why we might start to look at these as one rather than two. They are contiguous. Um, and so we we're aiming to look to develop both of these resources at the same time. So one of the things that's important, we understand and recognize that there are varying views about mining. I think as we go through this today, hopefully you'll see something quite different here. But we get a lot of questions about why, you know, why is this important? Arizona's a copper state. We know there's lots of copper mines. The vast majority of the copper in the U.S. is produced in, uh, in Arizona, but, but this one's different. It produces zinc, lead, silver, and manganese, and, and, and what are those for and why are they needed? So in the study work we've done, we've done a lot of work about what the demand in the United States looks like for these minerals going forward, um, and, and it's growing tremendously. And the main reason is the steps we're taking to address climate change. So with the growth in solar and wind development, so renewable energy, but particularly with the growth in electric vehicles on the road, um, all of those are very base metals intensive. They require a lot of metals, particularly copper, but very much these four as well. Um, there is a difference, which I'll talk about in a minute, because we produce a lot of copper in the U.S. We produce virtually none of these four minerals. So that's where it kind of fits in the big picture. Zinc traditionally has been used to galvanize steel, so any building bridge structure you see in the outdoor environment that's made of steel Every square inch of it's coated in zinc so it doesn't rust and fall to the ground. So as we see wind energy development growing tremendously right now, every, every bit of that is made of steel and so it's growing zinc demand rapidly 
as is infrastructure construction. Um, and increasingly they're using zinc now for battery storage. So when the, when the wind's blowing, they want to store the energy so it can be used at night or different times of day when the wind's not blowing. When the sun's shining from solar projects, the battery storage units store the energy so it can be a 24-7 energy source and replace fossil fuels. Well, those big batteries require zinc. Um, lead, there's lead in your vehicle batteries now. That will continue to be important. Silver is interesting. What's driving the growth and demand for silver is every solar panel you see on anybody's roof or on these large-scale solar projects, every square inch of a solar panel is coated in silver because of its conductivity to make it more effective. So as solar grows, whether it's rooftop solar on homes or otherwise, we are going to need a lot of silver in the country. And then manganese is even more important. There's been no production of manganese in not only in the United States, but in North America since the early 1970s. Uh, and as I said, it's a critical battery material in electric vehicle batteries, but also any lithium-ion batteries. For that reason, the federal government has listed it as a critical mineral, which means it's in short supply but high demand. Um, late last year, the U.S. federal government's also pr proposed listing zinc as a critical mineral for the same reasons. We produce very little of it in the United States, but we see significant growing demand. So that's what they're used for and why they're important. The, the key here for the opportunity we have with this project in Santa Cruz County is unlike copper where we produce about 75% of what we need and consume, so we're not reliant on other countries for copper, we are 100% reliant on other countries for zinc, lead, silver, and manganese. Um, I talked about manganese already, but there's very little production of zinc and lead in the U.S. and it's from one operation in, in Alaska. So what this does is it creates domestic supply for minerals that are needed in increasing quantities because of the shifts we're making in society and we get to create jobs and economic growth in Santa Cruz County by doing that. Um, and it is significant. Uh, that's one of the things I'll share in a moment. Every one of the jobs, you'll, you'll start to see some job numbers. I'll sh I can share that with you now. Every one of these jobs in a mine like this generates about double the income of the average worker in Arizona. If you go look up average salary of a worker in Arizona, a mining job generates about twice that much. So they are very impactful jobs. The other thing is with the significant capital investment that comes from a project like this up front, um, that makes the property tax base quite significant. So just the development of Taylor, not including Clark, is likely to double the property tax revenue for Santa Cruz County, which impacts per pupil spending for schools, obviously services from the county, all of those things. So I'll talk about all those in a little bit de more detail in a minute. Um, just to summarize on this slide, the outcomes of the study. Again, everything I'm gonna share with you today on this is just Taylor. So if we are able to bring Clark on board quicker, everything you see, the jobs, the revenue, the expenditure that we'll invest, all of that goes up substantially. Um, so to get from where we are today to first production on Taylor, um, we would spend $1.7 billion in Santa Cruz County to construct the mine to get to first operation. That's an important number, as I said. The initial capital investment, the way the, the State Department of Revenue centrally assesses mining properties for property tax purposes, it's driven a lot by upfront investment um, and the scale of the business, so cash flow generated. So that's an important number because it's large. That's what drives the, the property tax revenue. Um, it would be the largest and most productive underground mine of its type in the world. So the type of mining that would be required here, 
a large mine today, and we operate a few of these in other parts of the world, would be maybe three and a half to 3.8 million tons per year out of the underground mine. Um, Taylor would be about 4.3, so it would make it the largest underground mining operation of its type in the world. And the important thing is we haven't actually found the end of Taylor yet. We're still drilling every day. We still find more at greater depths. We find more in all four directions. So as we speak, the size of the resource and the length of, of time we would operate is growing. It's, it's likely to be 30, 40, 50 year plus operation. Um, it is an underground mine. This is important. I, I know many people are very concerned about in the environmental considerations on a project like this. There will be no open pit like you see with a lot of the copper mines, so the surface disturbance that that creates won't be there. Uh, in an open pit you get large waste rock dumps that also disturb the environment. We won't have any of those. Um, it's, an underground it's an underground mine that the mining method creates zero surface disturbance. So on the surface you'll never actually know what is going on underground. Primarily that's because the way in which we will mine it, when we pull the resource out of the ground underground, we will then backfill and fill back in the areas where we've mined. So there's no subsidence or, you know, subsidence or dropping on the surface and there's no open pit. So it is a very, very small footprint mine to mine what is the largest resource of its type in the world. To give you a bit of comparison, uh, Hud Bay over here at Rosemont, they're projecting to disturb four to s between four and 6,000 acres to mine that resource. The resolution project up at uh, Superior is about six or 7,000 acres to mine that resource. We would be a few hundred acres to mine this resource. So it's orders of magnitude, lower disturbance. Um, jobs, so these are direct jobs. So I just wanna be clear on that. This would be full-time employees working for South 32 engaged in constructing and operating the mine. This does not include what will be substantial number of indirect jobs created with suppliers, uh, service providers. We will have those numbers soon. We're conducting an economic impact analysis uh, from the inputs from this study. Um, so you can expect those to be a multiplier of these. But in terms of direct jobs, um, by the middle of next year, we would ramp up to employing as many as 400 people. Um, the construction period, it would be 600 direct jobs, probably about 1,000 people employed in total to build it. Um, and then uh, once we're into operations, it would be 600 full-time jobs um, for 30 plus years uh, actually operating the mine. Um, we'll share the results of that economic impact report publicly. It'll be ready soon. Those numbers will be much bigger than what you see here. So the scale of impact um, and this is where it starts to get into what you do every day. If we think about, you know, a thousand people coming in to build the mine and 600 plus some multiplier of that from an indirect standpoint working there for 30 years, um, that is going to have a, obviously a significant um, impact on the county. Um, a couple other things, just we are planning to make this what would be the first carbon neutral mining operation in the world. Um, in the studies, we've looked at how we eliminate the use of diesel. We will use all battery electric vehicles underground, which is not the norm. Um, and you see the Tesla semi-truck prototype there in the bottom right corner of your screen. Uh, we've been working with Tesla for about two years on their prototype over-the-road electric semi-truck. We have to transport the mined product from the site to market, um, and we're planning to do that via electric trucks. 
and then we've also worked with providers to provide all renewable power for the energy for the mine. So we do believe we can run this mine completely on renewable energy, not fossil fuel-based power, which gets us very close to becoming the first carbon neutral mining operation in the world. Last thing on markets, um, so the manganese would be produced and sold to domestic U.S. battery makers. Um, the zinc and lead that we produce would have to go to a smelter to be smelted into the end product. We are looking at smelters um, in the U.S., in Mexico, in Canada, um, and there are other offshore options as well. We are working with the county, so the county government's interested in looking at putting an inland multimodal, multimodal port probably somewhere in this area. Um, if that happens, that would be ideal for us to get our product onto rail. So we've committed to the county, we would support a feasibility study for a rail facility um, somewhere in Santa Cruz County in this area as well that would be uh, primary use for getting the, the product to market. Um, this gives you a little bit of a, uh oh, not sure what happened there. Uh, so this kind of gives you an idea of, of where we're at. We, we, we do three rounds of study before we build a project like this, um, and this will give you a sense. So Taylor has moved from pre-feasibility to feasibility. We've started the feasibility study um, this month. That will conclude the middle of next year. That's the point at which we would start to construct and spend the $1.7 to to move the mine forward. Clark has just gone into pre-feasibility, but we will accelerate it and catch it up to Taylor as quickly as we can. This is probably the slide that's more meaningful. It'll give you a sense of what time, uh, what will happen when. So right now we are constructing a very large water treatment plant on site, which would be used for the life of the mine to treat water from the underground environment. Um, and that, that construction has started, so our employment's starting to ramp up a bit already. We've started the feasibility study. Both of those things take us to about the middle of next year. If we fast forward then to May of next year, that's the point at which we would go to our board of directors and say we're ready to start construction on this project, uh, submit the feasibility study, and at that point, that's when the $1.7 billion investment begins. So the middle of next year, that's when we ramp up immediately to about 400 full-time employees that's when we start the work to sink the shafts, the two vertical shafts that will go down about 3,000 feet to intersect the ore body and, and start underground exploration. Then we do that for about 18 months to two years. And we ramp up at that point to about 600 direct jobs plus another 400 indirect jobs to do the construction of the surface infrastructure. Um, at that point, we're starting to do the development underground and by the first part of 2027, so about five years out, we would be actually pulling uh, ore out of the mine, running it through a processing facility and producing final product. And that's when the 600 full-time jobs would be in place for 30 plus years. This is again, just Taylor only. Um, we would hope by the time we get to that decision in the middle of next year, we have Clark, caught Clark up and are to the point where we can make some decisions around it as well. And if that goes forward, then there's, there's obviously more to do. Just a couple things before I close and take questions. One, what this does, a couple things, it, it puts an emphasis on two important initiatives now we're working with partners in Santa Cruz County on. The first is workforce development. So we need as many of those 600 people to be residents of Santa Cruz County as possible. To do that, that's a big training effort. So we've started 
partnerships and collaborations with with the uh, the folks in the county that already do that work uh, but that we're going to need to put new programs in place to do that um, the second is local procurement so again partnerships with local entities to try to generate new businesses that can meet our needs so that the vast majority of the goods and services we need to procure to, to operate the, the operation um, are based here in Santa Cruz County so it maximizes the benefit for the county, maximizes the employment of people in the county um, ultimately over the long term. So that's all I had. Um, I guess I can stop there and answer any questions that, that anyone might have. In addition to the presentation Pat provided our members, you can find a video about the environmental remediation in the show notes of this podcast. What is clear is this is a new kind of mining project and will bring enormous economic development and opportunity to Santa Cruz County. The materials being dug out of the ground are crucial to making the technology and clean energy products now in demand. Our members spent several minutes asking Pat questions regarding water, transportation, and housing. To learn more about South 32, go to their website and to the Santa Cruz County website. I'm Liz Recchia. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you found this interesting and informative. Don't forget to join us on March 9th for our government affairs meeting and event at our Chandler office. And again, join us on March 22nd for coffee with Representative Lesko at our Peoria office. Both events will be available live stream as well as in person. We serve GAD, advocating for private property rights, the right to private contract, and your business. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.